This is Talking Mule Deer with your hosts, Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. Talking Mule Deer takes you on a journey to learn more about the Mule Deer Foundation, Mule Deer and Blacktail Deer Biology and Management, tips and tactics for hunting, conservation issues, and even features some of our corporate and celebrity partners. Now, let's start talking Mule Deer. This is Steve Linda, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Mule Deer. Hey, Jody, we got a great guest today. We definitely do, and it's somebody we've talked to in the past in one of our first episodes of our first year of the MDF Talking Mule Deer podcast, but we haven't had a chance to get her back on because she's so busy and has so much going on, but we have Jana Waller on. Jana, it's great to see you and uh, have you on our podcast again. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I remember that podcast that we did at the Western Hunt Expo. That seems like forever ago, but I'm excited to be back on and chat mule deer with you guys. We were newbies back then. Yeah, we, yeah exactly. We... Figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. So, so Jana, tell us, you have continued and you uh, are still one of the Mule Deer Foundation's ambassadors. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing and, and things you've done to help out with the Mule Deer Foundation over the last few years since we've had you on our show. Well, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. The last few years have been sort of a a, a tornado whirlwind for a lot of people thanks to COVID. But uh, it's amazing how organizations like the MDF have still trudged on, you know, a lot of changes thrown at us a couple of years ago, but it didn't stop all the efforts of MDF. Um, I'm super excited to be not just an ambassador, but I'm a lifetime member. Um, I do a lot of fundraising for MDF and it's really exciting to see um, where that money goes and what you guys are doing. I think I live in Montana. And so of course I'm part of the West and mule deer are just such an icon of the West that really is, it can be a fragile species. I think there's a lot of, a lot of States that right now are dealing with, uh, mule deer issues, um, from health to habitat that, um, everybody needs to be aware of, but, um, in the last couple of years, since I have been on the podcast, I'm still going strong with the show. Um, I changed things up just a little bit. I was Skullbound TV on Sportsman's Channel for nine years. And then a few years ago, I started dabbling in digital. Um, it, it was something that was requested by my partners, um, kind of changing, you know, TV land has been changing in the last few years. People kind of want their adventure TV when they want it, whether it's on their phone or laptops or TV, but they don't want to wait around, you know, for another episode. And if they miss it, they miss it. So I started toying with putting um, highlight reels on carbon TV three, four, three and a half, four years ago. Well, they did so well that I then the year after that shifted my whole show to carbon TV, which is just like YouTube, but it's for hunters. They're never going to put the little warning label over my predator hunting shows. It is owned and operated by hunters for hunters. And it's not just hunting too. There's a lot of adventure outdoor programming, fishing shows, bow fishing shows, but uh, it's been a great landing spot in terms of a digital platform for Skullbound. I changed the name to Skullbound Chronicles when I moved over to the digital platform, but it's still the same show trying to show viewers that hunters are the greatest conservationists on this planet. We care more about wildlife and protecting our hunting heritage than any other single group in the country and uh it's going really good 
And uh, as far as my involvement with MDF this last couple of years, it was super fun to be back at Expo this this last year. Wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it really was. Great to see people. There's such a difference between you know, um, obviously we, the year before that we still did the expo, but it was all virtual. And that was a new thing for a lot of the conservation groups. And I was, uh, pretty honored to host one of the evenings of the virtual event. And it's funny, you stand up there and, you know, you still, we still had the auction and you're trying to interact with people online, but it's just different. You know, it's just way more fun to be in person, to get that hug from all your friends and, People have an energy. I've always said that. And it's much better when we can meet and communicate in person. And this year was super fun. I was really honored to be the MC of Saturday night. And uh, I thought it went great. Uh, it did. It's so nerve wracking. It's when I talk to my friends about like, oh, wow, that's cool. How is it? Oh, like, I think I texted my friend, Julie, I'm about to throw up from backstage. <laughs> Because it's way more nerve wracking than anyone can imagine standing. I, I think, yeah, there's, there's 2000 people in the room. It's a huge room. The lights, the big screens, the, the, I mean, the speaker system and the sound system is intense. The lights in your eyes when you're looking up there, the teleprompter. I mean, I can only imagine it must be a, a bit of a stressful thing to be in front of that and to keep the show and running and, and keep things, the banter going and, and moving through those a very, and that Saturday night banquet list or the auction list was, was extensive. It really, it really was. And it's funny because, you know, you're on a time frame and we had Lanco performing after the auction. So you can't run too late, but you can't be done too early because the band won't be ready. And so it's all timed. And, and obviously John Bear Auctioneer doesn't know how long each item's going to take. And it's right. really funny flashing at me in the middle of on the screen was slow down, slow down, going too fast, <laughs> slow John Bear down. He never saw that because he doesn't pay attention to the screens. <laughs> he would. And so I'm trying to throw a joke in there, you know, here and banter and he's just raring to go to the next item because usually that's the way it flows. And it was funny, but I thought it all went well. It was a super honest to be there. I loved the fact that we had um, Joe, the uh, Joe uh, Peterson, I think his last name, but he's the artist who did the anthem. You know, that yes. was fantastic. What a great way to kick off the event. But uh, no, it was an honor and it was so nice. And it was so great to see record breaking crowds at the expo this year. Well, and we also set quite a few records with auctions this year. I think it was 12 was the total. And, you know, the Arizona one was, was fun to watch. Uh, you know, and John, and you did a great job on that one. And man, it was, it was nervous there, but it was pretty crazy. And, you know, raising that much money in that type of an event, um, you know, we just had a funding uh, where we put those, a meeting where we allocate a lot of the funds raised on that. And, you know, MDF put 1.3 million to work from those auction tags and the 200 tags that the public has and, you know, to see that, and we still have money left that we will fund projects through the course of the year. And so, you know, I've said it on this before, I'm a convert to those type of tags. When I first started this, I, I didn't think that they were valuable, but now what I've seen that much money raised and raised in the right way and done in a transparent fashion that you can see where the money goes back to conservation. I, I know that we wouldn't raise those funds without it. And having folks like you that are willing to get up on stage and expose themselves to everything you've talked about is great. So thank you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's an honor. And you're so right. Most people 
don't understand how that tag system works. They don't have any idea of the conservation benefit uh, and where those dollars go. They don't go into anyone's pockets. And I've I've heard, you know, putting myself out there, I've heard a lot of the rhetoric. I've read the social media posts that are absolutely incorrect. And um, when you say the word convert, um, I would put myself in that category as well. And it is, it is so um, great to see um, how MDF especially in the last year is where that money is going, how it's being used. It is completely transparent. And I think everybody involved should be super proud of what MDF does. Yeah, that. so you referenced the Arizona statewide mule deer tag, and that, that did sell for $400,000. Um, and 100% of that goes back to the state of Arizona, Arizona Game and Fish Department, for mule deer conservation. So, And, and the same could be across the board for any of the others, the, the Antelope Island tag, the New Mexico Big Game Enhancement tag um, that sold for $300,000. All of that money goes back to the state agency for their conservation efforts. Um, the other thing you just mentioned there, and, and Steve, you, you know, we commented and we talked about how much of a challenge it was over COVID years, um, but but MDF, thanks to your efforts for the virtual uh, expo, as well as the folks coming and still participating in online auctions and doing things, we actually, we went through and we've talked about this also, it is 9.9 .9 million raised by MD, MDF, matched by thir almost $36 million uh, in 2020 and 2021. Um, and that that is extensive. We have that all documented out uh, by state and, and shared out so folks can see what is getting done on the ground through MDF or leveraging partnerships or, or using these auction tags to work with the state game and fish uh, and, and match those dollars. It's, it's pretty interesting to see and, and and, and inspirational when you see that money getting down on the ground. Well, we've yeah. seen, and Jody, I know because you're part of the team, our conservation team has grown significantly in the last two years. And a lot of it is because we have access to these funds to put them to use. And we have gone out and raised other funds to pay for folks' salary and the travel costs and other support costs. And so the money we're raising uh, that either folks are giving through membership dollars or buying a tag or buying an auction, that's not paying most of my team's salary. I'm raising that money through partnership arrangements with other folks. And so we're not, we are trying to maximize the amount of work that the MDF member or someone that participates in one of our events or fundraisers is going back to the ground. And, you know, we now can start to put numbers on that from conservation delivery in that, that 45 million plus that Jody mentioned, 265,000 acres of conservation were benefited at the ground level. And there was also, I forget the exact numbers, I think it was 117 miles of fencing. 115, but yeah. 115 yep. that was modified or removed or made better that, you know, let's face it, fences can be real problems for all wildlife, not just deer. And now that's during COVID. Um, and I've spent the last few months here outside of COVID. I mean, the pandemic's still going on, but we're not restricted like we were. We're seeing that continued growth. Um, just this, this morning, got another email. Hey, your grant was approved. Another couple hundred thousand dollars for a project in a, in a great state. And so, you know, it's really, I don't, I won't say the sky's the limit for what we do. But we are growing and that growth is now very controlled to the point where the benefits are obvious 
And hopefully folks understand that. And, you know, I know the deer do. Because every time we do something out there, they're thanking us by reproducing or <laughs> using habitat that wasn't available or, you know, doing the things that deer do. And that's what I would say that's what makes my job fun. Um, I won't say the only part of my job fun is seeing the benefits <laughs> of the money spent. But it, as a biologist, it really, you know, it, you can make a difference. We're no longer looking at small projects randomly across the landscape we're stitching this all together and we're, we're addressing needs and we're addressing things at the landscape level that are going to make a difference and hopefully immediate difference but you know they they are beneficial absolutely sure. and we appreciate jana all that you do to help us tell that story out to your audience for sure we do need to take a break to hear from some of our supporters when we come back jan i know you've got some partnerships with some of the other supporters of mdf and other companies that we work with including nosler and others so when we come back we'll talk about those partnerships you had and, and also hear a little bit about how you had success over the last year elk sheep big old muleys not a problem for the 27 nosler we packed it with more downrange punch than the 300 Win Mag. We designed it to be flatter shooting than the 6.5 PRC. The 27 Nosler is everything you've heard, all that you've asked for, and plenty more. So enough talking. Check out the numbers for yourself and see what makes the 27 Nosler such a beast at Nosler.com. The best hunting stories begin long before the harvest. They begin with the hard work of conservation groups like the Mule Deer Foundation working tirelessly to protect our hunting traditions. As a proud partner of MDF, Vortex Optics is dedicated to improving your experience in the field by offering you rugged, innovative optics and apparel backed by our VIP warranty, our unlimited lifetime promise to take care of you whenever you need us. Together, let's ensure Mule Deer always have a place to roam. The best hunting stories are yet to be told. Learn more at VortexOptics.com. All right, we're back. And uh, right before we went to break, we were talking about some of MDF's successes and, and, and going to segue into th some of the projects and some of the work that you do with your partners in the industry. Can you tell us a little bit about your partnership with Nosler? Well, Nosler has been literally with me from the very beginning. They have been such an incredible company. In the beginning, I was uh, they were just my ammo partner, and they have since become my ex exclusive rifle partner, too. Uh, some people may not be aware that they have their own rifle division, and they, they're just not only a great partner, but good friends. They're, they're amazing people, everyone inside the whole company. They're just fantastic. I, uh, I, I shoot their 22 when I'm predator hunting. I have their 26, 28, 30 um, rifles. I pretty much exclusively use the 28 just because it's such a great gun for everything from bear and elk to you know deer and antelope. But uh, no, they've been a partner of mine from the beginning, super supportive of my veteran hunts. Um, I am really blessed to be able to take one or two veterans a year on some pretty fantastic elk hunting opportunities. Um, not just elk hunting, turkey hunting too, some bow fishing trips, but you know, big game, big game, beautiful elk hunts in um, Wyoming and Utah, thanks to R and K hunting. And Nosler has made some beautiful rifles to go along with those hunts. And it's just their way of saying thank you to these veterans. In fact, I just released yesterday. Um, I'm doing an all veteran season for 2022. I've the last 12 years I've had, I've had personally some wonderful moments in the field, but 
the moments that mean the most to me are the ones where I have a, a combat veteran by my side. And, you know, it's one of those, uh, when they notch their tag and a lot of them are, are not all of them, but a lot of them are amputees, single, double, triple amputees. And when they walk up on that elk and they're able to bend down and just put their hands around their, their, uh, antlers or just stroke the back and, and to say, I did this has been just incredible moments in my life that have been life-changing. And so what I've tried to do is share their stories, their veteran stories within the hunt. Um, my editor, Heath Helgert, does such a great job of interlacing the the story and the hunt. And the, the episode I released yesterday is with Mark Oz, or better known as uh, Mark Geist, better known as Oz. Oz was a warrior who was uh, in Benghazi on that fateful night, September 11, 2012, where he and his other warriors uh, by his side are um, credited with saving the lives of 25 Americans that night, but they did lose four. And he tells the story of that night. Um, we also got permission to use footage from the uh, Oscar-nominated movie 13 Hours within the episode of The Elk Hunt. So it's pretty special. And to be able to tell Oz's story, in my opinion, not only focuses, features a great hunt, but it focuses on his message of God, family, country, core. And I think that's what we need right now more than anything else. You know, little did I know, I've been planning this all-veteran season for the last couple of years of just featuring my favorite veteran hunts from the past 12 years. But little did I know that I feel right now it's got a bigger message and a bigger meaning. I think we all need these stories to, in you know, relight or invoke in us that, that feeling of patriotism, understanding of what our men and women of the military go through to protect our freedoms, our gun rights, our freedom to hunt. Um, and it's just perfect timing. For sure. And, that, and I know that has been a passion. Actually, I think I met you for the first time in a reception with some of your veteran groups. And, and, and I know that is personally important. And it, it is and should be for all of us. Um, these folks have done so much for our country. Tell us about your, I assume you had a deer tag at some point this year, or you had a veteran uh, mule deer tag. Uh, can you tell us about one of your hunts this year and your, your mule deer season? That's really funny. This was the first season in how many years that I did not mule deer hunt. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's been 2021. I was going back and thinking about that recently. It is the first year in a long time that I didn't notch a Montana or an Idaho bear tag. And I did not, and wasn't able to go on a mule deer hunt just because of time. I do, you know, uh, being a newly appointed Montana wildlife commissioner, that's taken up some bit of my time. I did have a muzzleloader whitetail hunt in Iowa that I finally drew. And so that took up a week out of my time. Um, I did not even, get to deer hunt in Montana. And I've got always a deer tag in my pocket for Montana, whether it's whitetail or mule deer. And I just didn't have the time to do it. It was crazy. It felt really weird. Um, but hopefully that's not going to be the case for 2023. Sure. For sure. <laughs> well, you've got that new 10 day muzzleloader season now in Montana that uh, I'm eyeing up because it fits more with my schedule, but you know, <clears throat> Montana's going through an interesting time right now with, with, wildlife, particularly deer and elk management and some of the other issues. Um, I've watched some of the commission meetings, particularly your first couple, you got put in a very hard spot, uh, particularly with some biennial season setting and some elk recommendations. And I have to give you credit for handling that very well. Uh, <laughs> as a new person, 
knowing what's going on in Montana. Um, really, you know, where do you see opportunities to help mule deer? And I say that because, you know, living in Montana and looking at it from a statewide perspective, we have been trying at MDF to get more focus on habitat issues for mule deer in Montana. Mm-hmm. And we do fund quite a few projects, but we haven't seemed to have been able to break through with the department on focus on habitat. So, you know, just a little bit of insight of wh- where you think the opportunities are and, and what your role as commissioner and a Montanan and a deer hunter in Montana, you know, yeah. someone that, that does usually get a chance to hunt deer thinks we should go. Well, I think it all starts with, you know, communication, open communication. I've had, oh, at least a dozen phone calls just this week alone with concerned individuals, um, not particularly on the deer side of things right now. Um, everything sort of seems to have their timing. Right now we are in the middle of talking about changing up the lion season setting. Um, that's been a hot topic lately, um, as well as uh, some of their issues regarding bears and grizzly bears and such. But I think when you say that we you you didn't say roadblock or maybe it's been a challenge for you to work with a division. Definitely communication is the key. And I think relationships are the key. And so whether I can help facilitate that in a, a, you know, sit down meeting or a zoom meeting with the department, I know that, uh, I'm pretty proud. I'm in region two. I'm in the Bitterroot Valley here. And, uh, our biologists are very passionate about wildlife. You know, most of them are hunters, um, Liz Bradley, who was just, um, awarded a position of taking over for what, I'm not sure what her official title is, whether it's, uh, wild, uh, uh, region two wildlife manager. She used to be the wolf biologist. Then she was the deer biologist, but she's super great to talk to really even killed. Um, our biologists do not get enough credit. I can tell you that for sure. Um, they have very challenging jobs in managing wildlife. That's their main position, right? Is, is, to create these sustainable populations of deer and elk. But not only that, there's a lot of social issues going on in Montana right now. And uh, they get, unfortunately, screamed at on a daily basis from hunters, which is disheartening for me to hear. And it's it's common. And whether I'm not talking about on social media, I'm talking about literally screaming at the biologists and and it's disheartening because it's not solving any of the problems. It's not it's not bringing everybody to the table to to discuss. And I've had some great conversations this week with people that typically I'm not always on the same page with. You know, a lot of the special interest groups have differing opinions, especially when it comes to predator management and some of the other hot topics. But the nice thing about this week is they were great conversations. You know, we had we sat on the phone for over an hour and discussed each other's points of view. And that's where it all has to start. You know, and when, when talking mule deer in region two, it might be a lot different than talking mule deer over on the Eastern part of the state. You know, uh, the one thing about Montana in our seven regions, each region is so unique and different with the terrain and with the types of species that we have. And I think mule deer needs to be on the top of everyone's list, especially region one and two, I know are seeing mule deer numbers decreasing. Um, And I've heard, and I haven't been over East in a couple of years, but I've heard that from a lot of hunters as well. Like, what do we do? 
doing, you know, harvesting all these does and, and, you know, what are we doing about the possible CWD issues? And it's all pretty complex, but I think it starts with just open communication. And, and in my opinion, getting that face-to-face, whether it's Zoom call or coming up and, and having some sit-downs with the director's office and each region. We need well, to we'll uh, take another break. We need to take another break. I'm sorry. I'm going to be the break Nazi here so that we can hear from our supporters. But when we come back, we, we let's not finish this because I also want to hear a little bit more about some of your priorities as a commissioner. So when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that. If you're buying or selling a trophy hunting or fishing property in the Western U.S., our friends at St. James Sporting Properties should be your go-to resource. St. James Sporting Properties is more than an elite group of professional ranch brokers. They're also passionate about chasing monster mule deer, highly successful big game hunters, and avid outdoorsmen. When you combine their passion and expertise in the outdoors with their industry-leading marketing program, you're guaranteed to have a first-class experience. For more information, go to the supporting partners page on muledeer.org or give St. James Sporting Properties a call today to buy or sell your dream sporting property. All right, I think I stepped over you there, Steve. You were going to respond to Jana's comment about uh, about working together on mule deer stuff. Well, I think, you know, we get accused of, as Jana said, we've created an us versus them situation from the hunter or the special interest, which, you know, in MDF, we are special interest. We care about mule deer. Um, and the people that are tasked with either managing land or animals. And I think that is a bad thing. Uh, we can have differing opinion. Um, we get asked all the time to weigh in on season settings and harvest strategies, and that is not what MDF typically weighs in on. We will if there is specific interest and our expertise is warranted, but you know that's we, we leave that to the professionals. Um, where I have struggled, and it's it, it, as Jana said, there's seven regions in Montana. They're each unique. And I think really we have to treat mule deer management in each region distinctly. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you have to set up a process, you have to make it a priority, and then you need to have build partnerships and go do the things you need to do. We've been very successful in other states in this model, uh, often called a mule deer initiative or a habitat initiative. And we haven't been able to get that going, even with close relationships with the FWP's director and the people that run things. And my concern as a habitat biologist is when I'm out in central and eastern Montana, which is where I hunt mule deer, I see things, uh, particularly after fire, after a drought year like this, that can be addressed. But it needs to be a collaborative effort between the agencies, the landowners, and the hunters. We raise pretty good money in Montana that we put towards projects. We just had a call today about approving some projects. And what we need to see is more of that and Mm -hmm. more opportunities to leverage funding. Like we talked about what we did during COVID and really step up our game, not because it's my home state, it's your home state, Jana, but it's extremely important state to hunters and for mule deer in general, because we are a destination for a lot of people because of the opportunity tags that we provide. But yet, a lot of our habitat is on private lands and we seem to create this artificial barrier to working with private landowners or 
not addressing the true needs. And I mean, that's where, I mean, I'll be real honest with you. When we come talk to the commission and the department, it's going to be, let's focus on habitat. Let's use what we know we can do, use the expertise, use the geographic distinctiveness to figure out what we need to do in each area. And then let's go do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. It is like you said, the word collaboration. That's what it's all about. Whether it's putting in guzzlers, whether it's taking fence down, you know, it needs to be a collaboration. And, and, you know, I, when I took this position, um, first of all, let me just say it was completely undersold in the terms of time commitment. (laughs) (laughs) I, this is a full-time job, which is really funny because that's not how it was presented to me. But that being said, I did not go into this commissioner position with directives or um, agendas. I feel it's my job to be a really good listener as much as I can to everybody. And that's sort of the approach that I'm taking. There's I'm certainly not an expert on a lot of these topics. And so what it what it means for me of, of doing my best job is to talk to people who I think are. And that's a lot of that is the hunters themselves. The hunters who are out there often know more. Um, they can know more than some of the biologists. I mean, if they're outfitters and public land hunters, and I have talked to every single group because you, it depends on who you talk to, to get their perspective. You can talk to one group and then talk to another group and have completely different points of view. If you only listen to the one, you're not getting the whole picture. But I think collaboration is key between uh, MDF as well as the division and, and then other people getting involved, MDF members getting involved, not just maybe going to a banquet or a dinner. That's all great. That's fantastic. You know, buying a, a sponsor table and getting involved that way or making a donation to the banquets is, is fantastic because these projects need to be funded, but getting involved like, Hey, how can I help go plant trees? How can I help put in the guzzlers, take down fence? How can I help? Like for Rex, for example, me, I might not have the time to do all those things, but I'm, I love bringing people together and how can I, um, do that for you? How can I, you know, grab the ear of maybe the director, maybe grab Hank's ear and say, let's have a sit down. That's what I can do as a commissioner and as a Montanan that I can hope, hopefully bring people together and build those bridges and build those relationships to, you know, get some things done. Well, with two board members, couple staffer and now you I think we need to have that conversation sooner rather than later and I will take you up on helping us make that conversation happen but absolutely pivoting on that I was looking at our ultimate giveaway um here and I noticed there's a Jana Waller package tell us a little bit about that there is I'm really I'm so excited I'm really proud I'm just I'm really proud of that Uh, so last year I got involved um again it was you know COVID we weren't having banquets in person we weren't having expo in person it's like how can we how can I help and so I started making phone calls to all my partners and I put together a Skullbound Chronicles package. And last year I was impressed. And this year it's even better. Like, so my package includes almost all of my sponsors. Uh, the one lucky winner will get a Nosler rifle, a Magnum research desert Eagle pistol, a vortex scope, a full kit of crib tech, um, a big, huge Siberian cooler, um, a full ready to go hit the water AMS bow package, 
um, an Onyx uh, Elite membership, let's see, a Mule Deer Foundation lifetime membership that includes so many things under that. Um, who am I forgetting? A Grizzly Ears Bluetooth earbuds. Um, All together, oh, Eberly Stock backpack. I mean, this person's going to be pretty much ready to hit the hills. <laughs> um, Are you going to beat a skull or something to throw in there too? Or? Um, not for the ultimate giveaway, but definitely planning another one for expo and expo awesome. is the best place for me to donate a skull like that because of that crowd. Like there's no other place. I've never raised the money with my skulls that I have at expo anywhere else. Not even, not even come close last this year's skull, I think went for 7,500. Like I don't even get half that at a lot of other base. So that's the best place for my beaded skull is definitely the expo. Um, but no, I'm excited about this ultimate giveaway. The nice thing about it too, is if you Tickets are only $10 or the more you buy, the better deal you get. But uh, I'm going to be there in August to draw out that name. And it's just super excited. And not only that, there if you buy a ticket, you are in it for all, is it 14 big prizes this year, I think? Oh, 14. Yeah, um, I mean, it keeps yeah. growing. So. And it starts out with number one being a Polaris. I mean, talk about how exciting it would be to win that. Um, and, well, then and that's not, I mean, you saw that at Expo. They keep adding to it. I mean, that is like... I don't know, the Cadillac of side-by-sides. It's exactly. crazy. So Yeah, it's beautiful. And then there's so many other hunt packages that are super exciting. And anyway, I, I love the Ultimate Giveaway. I'm super excited to be a part of it. And uh, it's uh, people can get tickets right now on your website, but also they they can um, get them at – can they get them at some of your banquets? Yes, yeah, I think yep. most of our banquets will have an Ultimate Giveaway uh, table. Mm-hmm. Um not really my side of the, the, the organization, but I do see it promoted a lot. And I know that we make every effort to give everyone a chance to get into that, that barrel and, and support conservation through that effort. So, yeah. yeah. You can definitely go to muledeer.org and, and go to the ultimate giveaway page and, and buy your tickets there as well. So, so thank you for that. We're going to have to take one more break before we wrap this up today. So let's hear from our supporters and when we come back, let's wrap up what your plans are for the coming year and any other things that we may not have covered. For three generations and over 75 years, Weatherby has remained dedicated to excellence and innovation in producing quality rifles, shotguns, and ammunition. With 15 cartridges and unmatched ballistic superiority, know that nothing shoots flatter, hits harder, or is more accurate. Carry a Weatherby on your hunt of a lifetime and know you can depend on it to get the job done. At Weatherby, we exist to do one thing, inspire the dreams of hunters and shooters. To learn more, visit weatherby.com. All right. Well, we wrapped up hearing a little bit about your ultimate giveaway package, which sounds fantastic and reminds me that I have not bought my tickets yet this year. So I probably need to do that before I, uh, right after I get off this, uh, this podcast, but tell us a little bit, Jana, what, what have you got planned for the coming year? You told us about the episodes that are launching on carbon TV, but what else do you have coming up? What's, what's in your future? Um, this year is probably not as loaded down with hunts as other years, just because of the commissioner position and and trying to still figure out timing, how much time I need to allocate for that. But, um, I'm already next week starts bear season here in Montana. I've always done, um, DIY spot and stock bear hunting every single year. I've got my friends, Polly and D coming in for that. Then I run my own bear baits in Idaho and we'll be starting to do that. Unfortunately, Idaho's gotten a ton of snow lately, so we probably won't be able to get into our spots for another three to four weeks. 
but I've got those two hunts up. I did draw Prince of Wales black bear. So I'll have three black bear hunts this year, but I'm super excited about that. It's going to be a fantastic trip. Um, and a lot, you know, a lot of it is still unknown. I've put in for tags all over, not sure what I would draw. Um, hopefully to have, I'll have a Montana deer and elk tag in my pocket for the fall. I am trying right now to organize a really special, um, mule deer hunt in Utah with hunts for the brave. So, uh, we're in the midst of planning that right now, which should be super exciting. Um, it'll probably be my highlight mule deer hunt of the year. And then, uh, of course, going over East, if time permitting in October and November, um, I've got my annual wall tent Turkey hunt coming up in a couple weeks, which is so much fun. That it's, sounds like fun. It's so fun. In fact, I, you know, another MDF ambassador, Jason Matzinger, it's his brainchild and we've been doing it. I thought I, I thought that was the case, but I didn't want to presume that was, I've seen those wall tent pictures. Those are, those are great experiences. It looks like. It's so much fun. You know, a lot of people think of a wall tent hunt as more of a, a big game, uh, back country hunt, but we are back country, but uh, we can drive right to the wall tents, which make it really nice, but we're in the middle of nowhere and it is so much fun. We've been doing it for, I think, eight or 10 years now, and it's all pretty much run and gun turkey hunting. Um, turkeys out there are way smarter than any turkeys I've ever encountered across the, rest <laughs> of the United States. They got a lot of room to roam, too. A lot of room to roam. I think they are chased by coyotes all the time. It's really funny. They seem to they they're not that responsive to calling they seem to answer you once or twice but if you're within 100 yards forget it but it makes it all the more fun and uh it should be a good time but no i'm just excited to get back outside right about this time every year i've got cabin fever i need to get back out into the mountains everybody knows you know that mother nature is just healing in and of itself for our bodies minds and souls and i can't wait to you know get back out there in a couple of weeks so how many days have you been stuck in the gumbo up there? <laughs> I, oh, a lot. Yeah. Uh, it is. That's another thing that uh, when you head over east for mule deer or even turkeys, we have to be really concerned about. I haven't really looked. I, we were talking about weather earlier before we oh, started. Oh, it's been but, pounding up there. So yeah, it's. I hunt a little bit east of where you guys hunt. And uh, man, if I look at it and I get a quarter inch of rain, I'm, I'm staying away. So. Yeah. it does. Uh, people don't. I. I never experienced that kind of gumbo mud until I moved to Montana like 12, 13 years ago. But it is, you're right. It's treacherous. You are stuck and you do not want to be stuck in the Missouri river breaks yeah. <laughs> at all, but you slide or it's really hard to move with a four wheel drive truck. It's, it's, it's tough, but hopefully. You know what though? Those places have been so dry. So I, I'm quite sure everybody would be super excited to, to have the uh, that moisture that they're getting, and I know this recent snowstorm has been has been good for that. So take a little bit of gumbo with the uh, moisture yeah. in the ground because that will be good for our deer populations and 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 our fawning season for sure. Very true. Yes, yes. So Jana, do you have any closing thoughts? Any other things that uh, we didn't get to cover in this this conversation yet? Um. No, really. I, I mean, I'd love to tell people how to go watch Skullbone Chronicles. It, it's on Carbon TV. It's free for everyone. And that's the beautiful thing about Carbon. It's not like other platforms where you pay, you know, $9.99 a month to watch. It's free, free for everyone. Um, and it, they can, you can watch it on your phone, just download the Carbon TV app. You can watch it on your laptop, carbontv.com. And now 
you can watch it if you have Roku or a Fire Stick, which is literally what, 30 bucks one time only, plug it into your TV and you get the menu with Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. You just go into the settings and it says search for channels. You type in Carbon TV and you can put it right there up on your main menu through Roku, Fire Stick. Um, even if you have a smartphone and a smart TV, you can aircast it or airplay it to your TV. And now Carbon TV has signed, I believe, nine contracts in the last year with um, other distribution platforms like Sports TV and Tiki and all these other a- areas to where they are now plugging Carbon TV into their lineup of shows. So it's just getting bigger and better. It's not definitely not just a, an app on your phone anymore. And uh, I love that it's free for everybody. I love that people can share the links. And I really encourage people to go check out my episode that I put in yesterday with Oz and then go back to the beginning of this year. There's only four every every month around the 15th. I release a new episode. So there's only four veteran hunts so far, but they're they're pretty amazing. I'm, I'm pretty proud of those episodes. So. That's great. We'll definitely take a time to look at that. And I know Carbon TV was also super helpful at Expo. They they uh, covered ours and, and, and our Mule Deer Summit is up there as well as some of the other um, special sessions and, and symposiums that we ran in there. So so, Jana, thank you so much for your time. I know, I know you are extremely busy. So, to be able to carve out an hour of your time on a on a spring day is greatly appreciated. But we appreciate what you do as an ambassador for the Mule Deer Foundation. Thank you for being a voice to help explain what we do and get people involved in becoming members of Mule Deer Foundation. Thanks what you do for conservation and serving as a commissioner. It is a it is a big job, um, but we need voices like yours in those types of seats. Well, I really appreciate it. I've been a fan of MDFs long before Skullbound. And uh, it's just, it's nice to be involved and have friends and knowing that people are out there fighting, not just for the herds, but our habitat and our heritage. So thanks for having me. And I look forward to maybe coming back on and chatting after a mule deer hunt this fall. Yeah, it'd be great. We'll have to have that one in the the magazine. I know we were uh, we were look, talking to you about that, so we'll, we'll we'll probably include that in the magazine this year as well. Jenna, great. thank you very much, Steve. Want to let you give the have the last word? Well, I just am really appreciative of of what you give back, Jenna, and your dedication and passion. Um, I say this a lot. Folks need to learn to give back. If you are enjoying Mother Nature, you're enjoying conservation. Don't just be a taker, but be a giver, and you give a lot. Uh, as do many MDF supporters, a lot of hunters and anglers and other folks. And, you know, giving back is different for every person. Um, We really appreciate it. We appreciate everything you do, uh, how you stand up for our veterans in this country that deserve it, and they deserve so much more. And really how you look to the future and, you know, get involved in the things that you care about. And so I know I appreciate it. The, the organization appreciates it. All your viewers and everyone that cares about conservation and mule deer appreciate it. So thank you. And, you know, keep keep on keeping on. Take the game to the next level. So uh, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. And until next time, this is Jody Stemler. And I'm Steve Belinda. And thank you for talking mule deer. Thanks for talking mule deer with Steve Belinda and Jody Stemler. The Mule Deer Foundation is the only conservation group in North America dedicated to restoring, improving, and protecting mule deer and black-tailed deer and their habitat. MDF is a strong voice for hunters in access, wildlife management, and conservation policy issues. To find out more, visit www.muledeer.org and stay tuned for the next episode of Talkin' Mule Deer.